are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day you're listening to the always wonderful and might I add handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. And you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. We got a bunch to talk about today. Of course, we're going to start off with those hot stove rumors. And then there was an interesting article about five tool prospect in the D-backs organization that put on some major weight in a good way. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, in segment number two today, You guys know I love my AZ Snake Pit reviews, and we're actually going to combine two today because I think they're kind of in the same boat. And we're going to talk about Alex Young and Taylor Clark today. I believe they're kind of like the same level of pitcher, kind of fighting for the same spot. So we're going to discuss both of their 2020 seasons today. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks to listen to my 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now let's get right into it and let's discuss the hot stove rumors of the day to start it off. And the first rumor I want to talk about, you Darvish. Might be heading to the Padres. Now, there are no official talks just yet between the two teams, but seems like the Padres might be a possible a possible suitor for the starter. And we know how good you Darvish was this past season. So if the Padres are able to go in there, or not go anywhere, but just able to land a guy like you Darvish, I mean, we know they're going to be out Mike Clevenger for the whole 2021 season. But still, adding you Darvish to that rotation, rotation would be nasty for that Padres team. They have a pretty good rotation right now because they still got Zach Davies who had a pretty good year uh Denelson Lamette had a pretty good year uh, and you expect you know Mike Clevenger to come back at some point in 2022 probably but they still got a couple good starters already and if you add a guy like you Darvish into that mix I think it would just take the Padres to a whole nother level and they already have a pretty stout offense pretty stout offense that was pretty weird how I said it they have a pretty stout offense already uh, led by, of course, Manny Machado, Tatis, Eric Hosmer is still there, and he's still getting paid a lot of money. So the Padres are able to add a guy like you, Darvish, and get a, a guy like Mike Clevenger back in 2022. Yeah, maybe they won't be necessarily title contenders next season, but the year after that, having those four starters plus your core pretty much locked up in your lineup, these Padres are going to be tough to stop for years to come. Now, The next rumor that I found pretty interesting is 
the Mets have recently reached out to DJ LeMayu. Now, I don't know if DJ LeMayu is going to go to the Mets. There's no official word on anything about that, but he's already in New York. And that's something that I, I always find that interesting when, you know, you got two teams in the city and a guy just switches teams like what we saw Montrez Harold just do with the Lakers and the Clippers. He was on the Clippers and now all of a sudden he's a Laker and he really didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to uproot his family. He didn't have to move for his new job. He stayed in the same stadium. Now you won't be saying in the state you won't be in the same stadium if you're DJ LeMayu, but you're pretty much in the same city of New York. It's pretty much uh, you're in a different borough, but it's pretty much all the same. So DJ LeMayu, if the Mets are able to get a guy like that, they, they, the Mets are looking like they're building a super team right now. And that they're probably going to be in on these pitchers as well, like a Trevor Bauer. They might be in on George Springer. So we'll see what the Mets do. They've been in contact with a lot of these guys that nothing has been official yet. But the Mets have had a lot of pre preliminary talks with a lot of these top free agents. And I know the Mets are not afraid to spend money. They've already, uh, you know, spent some money this season for James McCann. Already brought back Marcus Stroman. So this Mets team. I think it's going to be a real superpower in the NL East. I think it's going to be a real superpower in baseball with that new owner. They're ready to spend some money in a sport like baseball. When you have no salary cap, you just got that luxury tax. If you got an owner that's not afraid to spend, you're going to be a good team in Major League Baseball. Now, the next rumor that I found pretty interesting is the Phillies have extended an offer to JT Real Muto. Now, Real Muto hasn't accepted anything. We don't know whether Real Muto wants to go back to the Phillies. He seems like he's pretty interested. There seems to be mutual interest on both sides. But like this whole free agency period, everything is moving slow. Nothing is happening quickly. No one is rushing to sign. They still got months before the season starts. And it's one of the reasons, it's one of my biggest gripes I have with baseball. Honestly, this offseason is terrible. It's boring. It's boring as hell. Nothing's going on. These guys take months to sign. And it's not even necessarily their fault. These GMs and owners and presidents don't want to sign these guys right away. And they're always reluctant to give out big money all of a sudden. These last few off-seasons, the money hasn't been coming out as quickly as you would expect. Now, you still see some big-time deals, you know, Machado or Bryce Harper. But some of those other guys that you thought were going to get big-time deals, maybe like Mike Moustakis or Craig Kimball, they had to pretty much wait the whole year and just sign, you know, way below their market value. And for Craig Kimbrough, it seems like it worked out, but Mike Moustakis had another good season after taking below market value. So for baseball, I'm hoping they start signing dudes because I want to have real content to talk about. One of the reasons why I love the NBA is because their offseason is so interesting. They give you so many things to talk about and moves actually get done. Baseball, please start making moves. Now, another rumor that I found pretty interesting is the Francisco Lindor trade looks to be a lock. It seems like the, the Indians are, you know, destined, destined to trade Francisco Lindor. And that's pretty much going to be the Mookie Betts trade of this offseason. Lindor is an absolute stud. And there's no way that the uh, that the Dimebacks even go out there and try to put their name in the hat for Francisco Lindor. But if they would, if they were to do that, they would get a guy who could, you know, steal you 25 bags, hit you nearly 40 home runs, 280 average, get on base about 350% of the time. 35% of the time, about 350, not 350%, and have an OPS above 800. So, and he's an elite defensive player. So, he's basically Nick Ahmed combined with Ketel Marte in one body playing shortstop. So, I would love for the D backs to get 
Francisco Lindor, but we all know something like that won't happen. Now, there was one signing today that I found pretty interesting because it involved a former Arizona Diamondback, and I found it interesting because he's a former Arizona Diamondback, of course, going to the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox and D-backs are always swapping players, and Matt Andres was really not that impressive with the D-backs. He, he's a career 4-5-7 year race, so he's been a solid pitcher. He's a middle relief kind of guy, but he's not some shutdown relief guy that you're throwing in there. He's not even really much of a specialist either, so I'm not even a big Matt Andrews guy. I just found it interesting that another former Arizona Diamondback is going to the Red Sox because Diamondbacks are always picking up former Red because Diamondbacks are always picking up former Red Sox and vice versa. But now there is one thing I want to talk about before we get to the AZ Stake Pit reviews because. According to Arizona Sports 5-tool Diamondbacks prospect Christian Robinson has put on 25 pounds of muscle between spring training and August 20th. And this guy, you know, he is arguably our best prospect. I think a lot of guys have him. I think a lot of, you know, prospect ranking sites have him as our best prospect, and I can't blame you. He's a 5-tool kind of guy, and he, he was already smacking home runs before in the last season we saw him in the minor leagues. He had 14 home runs in 69 games in Class A short season and Class A, but... If he added 25 pounds of muscle, that's just going to take his power to just another level. And he's just not a power guy either. He also stole 17 bases in his last season in the minors. And he hit above average. He hit over 300 at Hillsborough. So this guy can hit for average. He's got the pop and he's got the speed. He's, like I said, a five-tool player. And right now, the D-backs, if you look at their corner outfield situation, David Peralta is entering his mid-30s. Cole Calhoun is entering his mid-30s. They don't have a center fielder right now. So by 2022, Christian Robinson cannot just be the cat, uh, the outfielder of the future. He could be the outfielder right now. And if they have a superstar outfielder waiting in the wings, if Christian Robinson really is the next man up, D-backs are a team that's been on the cusp for a few years now. And if Christian Robinson is really as good as the rankings say, then he could be the guy that puts the D-backs over the top and really makes some playoff contenders. Now, the thing that he has to work on is his strikeout rate rose to 29% in August 2019. His walk rate fell below his walk rate fell below 8%. And we've seen in baseball a bunch of times, guys who don't walk and strike out a lot, they never have long careers. They're always guys who hit for low average, hit for uh, don't walk a lot, and they strike out a ton, and eventually it catches up to them. So if Christian Robinson can work on that, get better at getting on base, we know he can hit for average, but he has to get better play discipline and strike out less. If he does that, he will be even better once he makes it to the big league level. And the other thing that he has to work on is he needs to work on his launch angle. We know baseball is all about launch angle, and he's got the pop off his bat. More than half his balls had an exit velocity of at least 95 miles per hour, according to fan graphs. But he's not lifting it. He hits a ton of ground balls. So if he's able to get the ball more in the air, he will have even more doubles, even more home runs, and even more line drives. So this is a guy who has so much potential, but he just has to work on a few things. Strike out less walk more, and get the ball in the air a little bit more. Go look at some J.D. Martinez tape because he's amazing with getting the ball in the air. But this guy, I really believe, is the catcher. I don't know why I keep trying to say catcher. I really believe he's the outfielder of the future, and I'm excited to see what he could bring, maybe in 2022 or maybe even sooner. Now, we'll get into that Alex Young and Taylor Clark snake pit review. But first, 
I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. The reason why I love Built Bar is because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, and Built Bar actually tricks me because I have a pretty dangerous sweet tooth, and Built Bar makes me think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and it's high in fiber, so it's great if you're doing that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. And the reason why I love betonline.ag because I like to, you know, I like to bet a little bit, especially on the NFL game of the week. And this week, I want to bet on that Packers versus Titans game because if you guys didn't know, the Packers have only been one team this year with a, a, a winning record, and they're going against the Titans who can just run right through you. So I think Derrick Henry is running all over the Packers this Sunday, and I'm putting my five dollars down on the Titans to whoop up on the Packers. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code lock on locked on not lock on locked on to receive 50 percent off welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts visit our good friends on twitter at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus All right, all right, all right, let's get back into it and let's discuss those Taylor Clark and Alex Young reviews because I feel like they're two sides of the same coin. They're both kind of fighting for that number five spot in the rotation. They're both trying to prove that they can be long-term starters and entering the 2020 season, I was way more high on Alex Young than I was Taylor Clark, but now I might have to reverse that position. Taylor Clark was way better than Alex Young uh, in this 2020 season, and the D-backs even think he was their second most improved pitcher right after Merrill Kelly, and I can't really disagree. Taylor Clark looked really comfortable whenever he pitched on the mound, and the numbers even back it up. Now, he did finish with a 4-3-6 ERA, but it was really because of the kind of ending he had. He started two of the last three games, and that middle outing he had was a relief appearance where he also got shelled. He gave up 12 earned runs in his last three outings, and that was 16 innings. So 12 earned runs in 16 innings. It's just not going to work out for you. But overall, I thought Taylor Clark had a pretty good season. And the thing with Taylor Clark is he's just better as a reliever than an everyday starter. I don't think he can really project as an everyday starter because we saw what he did as a starter this season. It was pretty up and down for him. 
He had on September 9th when he started against the Dodgers, he gave up four earned runs in six innings, which isn't too bad, but two home runs allowed. And then his last start of the season against the Rockies, he gave up four earned runs again in only five innings. And that's what really ballooned his ERA above four. But if you look at his outings when he was only a reliever, his first six outings of the year was only a reliever. He didn't start any of those games in his first six outings, and he was pretty solid in those outings. He gave up four earned runs in his first six outings, but three of them came on August 1st. So if you take out that one, he only gave up one earned run in his first six, or excuse me, he gave up one earned run or less in five of his six outings to start the season. So he was really good out the bullpen. And the thing with, uh, and the thing with Taylor Clark is he would pitch multiple innings. In every one of his first six outings, he went into at least the second inning and recorded a couple outs. The shortest outing he had was 1.2 innings pitch in those first six outings. So he would go multiple innings and he was pretty good when he did uh, come out the bullpen. Now, when he started to start games for the D-backs, that's where it got a little bit murky for Taylor Clark. And that's where he started to struggle a little bit more. His first couple starts were really good. Four innings, one earned run. That was solid. Five innings, one earned run. So his first two starts with the D-backs were pretty good. But then after that, it's like something changed with him. His next start, he went three innings, gave up three earned runs. And then he finished the year, like I said before, with those 16 innings pitch, but 12 earned runs allowed. So he didn't finish the year too hot. That's why his ERA ballooned to a 4-3-6. But before he was a starter, his ERA was 2-3-5. Even after his first two starts, his ERA was only a 2-2-2. It didn't get bad until those last three outings of the season. So for Taylor Clark, I believe if he's not a guy who's starting, if he was just a relief pitcher all year, I believe his ERA would have been in the in the maybe high twos, low threes. And I think he should be given a chance to not start, but to be the go-to guy as a middle reliever when your starter falters. I really believe that's his long-term role because right now, I can't see him as a starter in uh, the rotation. I just don't think that's where he projects. I just like him a lot more as a middle reliever. And for Alex Young, like I said, I was way higher on Alex Young entering the 2020 season, but he really wasn't that impressive to me. Now, Taylor Clark did have eight home runs uh, given up, which is a lot, but Alex Young had 11 home runs given up, and eight of them came in his last eight outings, and Alex Young just never really looked that comfortable. He gave up so many earned runs across the season. Even as a relief pitcher, he would give up a decent amount of, of uh earned runs allowed and I thought he was going to be more shut down as a relief pitcher but his first seven outings he came out as a relief pitcher he gave up at least one earned run in four of them so he was more than likely to give up an earned run than not and he just never looked super comfortable as a relief pitcher but as a starter he did look I think better his first couple starts he gave up one earned run but he only went four and a third innings he gave up three earned runs in his second start but still only went four innings but after that I thought he was pretty solid. August 25th against the Rockies, five innings, three earned runs. Then he went five innings, two earned runs, 5.1 innings, three earned runs, 5.1 innings, two earned runs. But that was technically a relief outing where he pitched innings four through nine. 
But then his next start, he only had two more starts after that. He gave up six earned runs in two and two-third innings. So he got shelled against the Angels. But his final start of the season, three earned runs, five innings. So in four of his last five starts, he went at least five innings and gave up three earned runs or fewer. So that's solid. That's like number five kind of, you know, stuff. He, he wasn't super shut down. He gave up too many home runs, like I said. Eight home runs allowed in his last eight outings. But I thought it was a solid. I thought it was a starter. He was solid. I think he pitched around to about a 4.4 ERA, which is what it would indicate his ERA was during that time as a starter, around 4.4. And I think he could be a number five starter in your rotation if you don't give him a heavy workload. Maybe he could go deeper into ball games because he never pitched more than 90, uh, 90 pitches in any outing he had. So he probably can't go deeper into ball games. There was a couple ball games where he went into the sixth inning with only 81 pitches, 78 pitches. So it was kind of efficient as a pitcher. It looked like you could go, it looked like you could go six or seven innings and pitch around a hundred pitches. But of course, Tori Lavello didn't want to put him out there too much. So for Taylor Clark and Alex Young, Taylor Clark, I definitely want to be the middle reliever, be the first option out the bullpen when your starter falters. And for Alex Young, I don't want to see him as a reliever. I didn't think he was that comfortable in that role. And I thought he gave up too many earned runs and a decent amount of home runs as well as a relief pitcher. But as your number five starter, I think Alex Young was pretty good there. I think as a guy who maybe as a spot starter, because I don't know if he's going to have a spot in this rotation. I think they're both going to be fighting for spots in this rotation. I think Alex Young has the edge, but... Right now, this D-backs rotation might be set. Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, Zach Gallen, then maybe Merrill Kelly and Caleb Smith. Alex Young and Terrell Clark are going to be right in the mix as well. But D-backs have a lot of dudes that uh, that are going to be fighting for that rotation. Three of the spots are already going to be locked up. So they're going to have a chance to make a name for themselves and really fight for a spot in that rotation. Whether it happens or not will uh, be seen but you never know what COVID next season still might have to have extra bodies and Mike Hazen really wants to put an emphasis on pitching he says that's the biggest area that he's really concerned about with the D-back so I think having Alex Young there is really good as a spot starter could be your really could be a really effective number five starter as well I think and for Taylor Clark I think he could be a really effective middle reliever so if the D-backs decide to give those two players those kind of roles, I think it would really help the team and really be effective for the team in large. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back on Friday because we're back to three days a week schedule. So no more daily Dimebacks podcast. It's still your team, but now it's your team almost every day, three days a week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll have podcasts coming out because this is the best podcast for Dimebacks news, coverage, and insight. And don't forget to come back on Christmas Day to listen to some more. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!